The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. He's like, I told you, you need to get back in line and pay for some more. <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, no, you're not going to do me like that, brother. <laughs> so he and I started arguing about this. So finally, he said, I wasn't going to give up. Because I pulled my receipt out and I showed him that I paid for extra. Yeah. So then he was like, fine. So he takes the cup off the coffee and he starts putting the caramel in there. And I was fine till the caramel went on the side of the cup. Because that means you was doing it with some attitude. And so the devil said, throw that coffee on it. No, he didn't. Yes, he no, did. No, and see, people no. think that God talks to you first most of the time. He don't. <laughs> the devil told me, throw that coffee on him. And this was happening in split seconds. The Lord was like, Evan, you need to go to the car. I'm like, no, I'm not going to the car, Jesus. Evan, you need to go to the car. No, I'm not going to the car. Evan, you need to go to the car. I said, Jesus, go to the car. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I grabbed that coffee and I dashed it on that guy. <laughs> I am on a journey to discover, uncover, and recover love. Life is about helping others. Dear future wifey has been doing exactly that. You stated that women are to present and not to pursue. It has given us a, a roadmap on how relationships were meant to be by God. There are still black men who love the Lord and their end goal is marriage. Thank you for teaching me how to stay lit, how to be intentional and transparent. You read your, your letter, I cried. I just got married two months ago, and I'm listening to the podcast on the set marriage. I'm Lateris R. Whitfield, and this is season four, These Dating Streets, on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. I'm your host, Lateris R. Whitfield. Listen, we've been having an amazing time in these dating streets. But before we get started, are you still shacking up with us? If you're still shacking up with us, come on, man, let's make a commitment. Hit that subscription button and subscribe. Be sure to turn on your notification bell so you'll be notified on upcoming episodes. Well, we're still in the Guarded series. And today, we're going to go ahead and go a little bit deeper. This is something that I believe a lot of us have a problem with. Uh, hey, I'm the first to admit it. This was my biggest issue. Uh, so I got my buddy on the podcast today. So without further ado, welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. My homie, Pastor Evan Connor. How you doing, brother? I'm great, Lateris. Hey, thank you so much for being you know, gracious enough to to let me come on the show today. Man, listen, you 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 blessing me by your presence. You know what I'm saying? So it's really dope. Uh you and I met because I visited your church mm -hmm. um on Easter. On Easter Sunday, which is where most, you know, CME Christians come to church. <laughs> so you call me a CME Christian? No, 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 no. I, I felt I a little said, shade there. I said most. I didn't I, say I, you. I felt, I felt a little shade No, you're okay. <laughs> you know, because I love CME. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was y'all had these um, these cards that y'all were giving out. Right. Uh, Starbucks gift cards. And one of your... Um, one of your members came and uh, Sharice came and gave me a card and said, hey, listen, I want to invite you to church. And I was like, OK, now I didn't know I was coming on Easter, but I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to come. And then I looked a couple of days prior and I was like, this is Easter. Easter and Sunday. I said, all right, well, let's go here. So I got there bright and early and it was a it was an amazing time. And, you know, that that Starbucks uh, card, that gift card that's in that door hanger 
represents something. Our church knows what it represents, but the average person doesn't know because uh, years ago, uh, I had a habit of going to, uh, I'm a pretty routine person. Yeah. So I would get up, take my daughter to school, go get me some breakfast, and then go buy Starbucks, and I would get the same drink every single time. In fact, I came to the same Starbucks, so they knew me when I walked in. <laughs> so I walked in there, and this particular day I walked in, and uh, I, didn't, I didn't recognize the guy that was fixing the coffee. No big deal. They asked me what I wanted. I ordered the same thing, a tall caramel macchiato with extra, extra, extra caramel in it. <laughs> extra, extra, I extra. like extras. So they charged me for more. I didn't care. So I paid for it. I went to the counter. He's fixing my coffee. And before I leave, I'm going to taste it just to make sure. It had the extra, extra, it's extra. Four, it's $4 a cup. Yeah. So I tasted it, and it just needed a little bit more caramel, just a little bit. <laughs> so I said, excuse me, sir, could you uh, put some more caramel in here? And he said, no. You need to get back in line and pay for some more. I thought he was joking. I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> And so I left my cup up there. So then... Somebody else, he fixed their coffee, and somebody else fixed their coffee. <laughs> and I noticed that he wasn't fixing my coffee. So then, you know, because see, there are three levels in, in a day that you can be in. You know, yeah. you got spirit. That's where yeah. we all are to stay. Yeah. Then you got the flesh. That's where irritations and frustrations happen, and they're all on the inside, yeah. but you ain't let them out. Yeah. And then you got the devil level, which is when you let it out. <laughs> so now I walked in in the spirit. I was good. But now he's pulling me in the flesh. So I was like, uh, excuse the me. The devil you, level. It, devil level. I said, uh, did you hear me ask for some more karma? Then he loud talks me. He's like, I told you, you need to get back in line and pay for some more. <laughs> so now I'm like, oh, no, you're not going to do me like that, brother. So he and I started arguing about this. So finally he said, I wasn't going to give up. Because I pulled my receipt out and I showed him that I paid for extra. Yeah. So then he was like, fine. So he takes the cup off the coffee, and he starts putting the caramel in there, and I was fine till the caramel went on the side of the cup, because that means you was doing it with some attitude. And so the devil said, throw that coffee on it. No, he didn't. Yes, he no, did. No, and see, people no. think that God talks to you first most of the time. He don't. The devil told me, throw that coffee on him. And this was happening in split seconds. The Lord was like, Evan, you need to go to the car. I'm like, no, I'm not going to the car, Jesus. Evan, you need to go to the car. No, I'm not going to the car. Evan, you need to go to the car. I said, Jesus, go to the car. I'll be there in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I grabbed that coffee, and I dashed it on that guy. <laughs> and wait a minute. As soon as it came out, I saw the, you know, it switches slow motion. It switches slow motion. So I saw the coffee coming out of the cup. So then I started thinking, Oh, my God, I'm a pastor. <laughs> and then it hit him in the chest. Boosh. He was shocked. I was shocked, too, though. <laughs> so the whole story behind the Starbucks oh card oh comes from that. Because after I did it, of course, I told my church, because I'm pretty transparent in, in how I teach and who I am. So anyway, I done told my sins on the camera. So, so what happened? So what, what, what the dude see, do? See, you nosy, too. I got so, to be nosy now. So, you you so, took me there. So when I dashed him. He was shocked. He was like, sir, you didn't have to do that. And, I, and so now I'm in the flesh now. I'm at the devil level. I know I'm going to have to ask the Lord to forgive me. So, so I'm, I'm like, all the way I got to go ahead and finish. I got to go, go I gotta finish. I got to finish. So I was like, he got the coffee. He's missing the cup. So I threw the cup at him. <laughs> Look, I, I'm going off now. I'm going off. And so then I threw the cup at him and hit him in the head. And then I was like, where is the manager? 
He's now, like, now you're going to have the, to manage. Right. And then he's like, I'm the manager. I'm like, oh, my God. So I ended up leaving. Long story short, I told some people in my office, they was like, Pastor, you need to go and apologize to that guy. I was like, I'm not going to apologize. He deserved that. <laughs> so then finally I told one of my pastor friends who I'm accountable to, he was like, Evan, you know you got to go back and apologize. So then I was like, ah. Oh. So I decided to take one of the men at my church who is prone to fighting. <laughs> he had a fight. He went to the Super Bowl. This is when the Steelers were playing years ago. He had a fight at the Super Bowl. <laughs> So I said, I'm going to take him with me so he can see me humble myself. Well, they didn't take it like that. As soon as we walked in, they dialed three numbers. And <laughs> <laughs> it, it sure wasn't 411 for information. Man, they called the police. The guy wouldn't even come out and let me apologize to him. So long story short, about maybe two months later, some unmarked vehicles show up and some you know, plainclothes officers show up in my house. And they come up to me, because uh, I was getting in the car, and they said, is this you? And they, I was like, how'd you get my picture? <laughs> so they was like, do you remember an incident, you know, from uh, Starbucks? I was like, yeah. They said, so tell me. Tell us about it. So I told them. And the officer, the male officer said to me, I promise you, I'd have threw it on him too. <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up getting like a, it's almost like a speeding ticket. <laughs> you know, thank God, you know, I didn't get, I could have, I guess, got arrested for assault. <laughs> so, so when you went up there, that's what you're going to do, just apologize and that's it? Are we gonna that's try what to- I was planning on doing, but he wouldn't come out. And then they call the cops, and of course I'm banned. But you, but this is this is funny though. So I've been banned from that Starbucks, right? <laughs> I mean, I think they put my pitch in the back, you know. So anyway, what what are the members come up to me Sunday? It says, Pastor, my name. Uh, what was her name? I don't even remember her <laughs> name right now. But she is the store manager for that Starbucks. Does she know about you? Yeah. Well, yeah. And so she was like, Pastor, anytime you come through there, drinks on me. I said, I can't come. <laughs> I said, is my picture still in the back of the office? She's like, no, it's gone, Pastor. It's okay. I said, I'll come through the drive-thru then. So anyway, that, that's how the whole Starbucks thing came. And, and so you decide to give gift cards as an invitation to the church Absolutely. because of what? What does that signify for you? Well, it just signifies generosity because each, you know, here we are. We we did a door hanger which describes the church. Right. It had a QR code on it so people could scan it just right. to get information about the church. But then it had a pouch with the gift card in there. And it's just us saying, hey, uh, you know, have a drink on us yeah. type thing. Yeah. And uh, it's been real successful. Yeah. That's powerful. Do you, do you ever go back and share that story? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But see, I know it's it's almost time for me to do it again because there's a group of people, you know, COVID, yeah. COVID changed our church. And so there are a group of people that have been coming for two and a half years that I've never met. Yeah. Because they joined online. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, listen, that's a powerful story. I love your transparency. And that's what drew me to you uh, and want you to be a guest. Well, today's episode is called Guard Your mouth. Wow. I didn't do a good job in that story, did I? <laughs> Guard your mouth. <laughs> it's I didn't cuss him out, though. You didn't cuss him out? No, I didn't. Did you that. feel some cuss words brewing up in your spirit? No, no, I'm free of that. Okay, you're yeah, free. You, I'm got not, deliver, I'm you got to deliver from cussing. Oh, I'm, I've been gone for that one, but see, I... With throwing I, coffee, you, you guys still working on you? Well, I, might, I want to put my hands on you. <laughs> you want to and, touch and agree on something Right, 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 right And then, you know, if you're too big, I, I carry Buddy But, you know, I got a Buddy, buddy. You get Buddy out Buddy's there. with buddy, me all the time Buddy, buddy, right, buddy right, got right, to come right. and hang out with you <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what did the uh, 
the member that came with you, the one that, that got a fighting spirit, what did what did what did he say when <laughs> he saw the police show up? Well, he wasn't with me when the police showed up. Okay, yeah, left yeah. by then. We left, you know, we fleed the scene. No, we I'm talking to... about when when they called nine one one. So when it when they called nine one one you walked in, y'all left. Right. When I saw them and he wouldn't come out and allow me to apologize, then we had to leave because they were like, hey, you need to leave. And I was like, "Okay." I saw them dial three numbers. I knew I had to leave. So we never saw the police. But he's used to seeing the police anyway. (laughs) He was like, hey, they they call him by name. I got numbers on both sides of the law. Exactly. That's what you need. (laughs) When you hear guard your mouth, how does that apply to you? When you hear the word guard your mouth, what do you think about first? You know, the first thing that comes to me is protection. Yeah. Protect your mouth because our mouths is the creative force that God has given us to be like him. Yeah. The only reason we see things that we can see is because we said words out of our mouth. He said, let there be light. There was light. Yeah. So death and life is in the power of our tongue. And so most people don't realize that they can control their life if they can manage their mouth. So when you say protect... I think of guard. I think of, 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 of making sure that you are conscious about what you're about to say. Because the, un, the unfortunate thing about words is once you let them out, you can't take them back. You can't take them back. I used to have the biggest problem with that. I used to, because I, and I used to relegate it to, well, I just keep it real. You know what I'm saying? I just, you know, I, you ain't got to never know, guess how I'm thinking because I'm always say it. Right. And then I start realizing that that was a form, of a lack of self-control because at the end of the day, if I'm destroying you verbally, then I'm not edifying you like God requires. Absolutely. And so when you think about that in your own life, have you ever struggled with guarding your mouth or ever had to been challenged in the area where it was whatever you may have been going through something. And God said, I want you to guard your mouth over this situation. Well, see, I started out with that struggle because before being born again, I'm a late bloomer. So I got, I got saved. And, and by the way, I'm just going to introduce three perspectives. You know, you got Eben. Yeah. That's just the regular guy. Yeah. My kids don't call me pastor. Yeah. Then you got pastor Eben. That's the guy that at church, I'm going to, give you God's word and encourage you. And then you got elder Evan. That's the guy that's going to like cut you. <laughs> I'm not going to like, like try to beat around the bush. I'm just going to hit you with it. And then pastor Evan will come and like pat you up with it. <laughs> so I'm going to come from three different perspectives. So yeah. before I was saved, I thought I was going to be a comedian. So I cussed just as much or more than Chris Rock. Yeah. Yeah. So coming into the kingdom, that was one of my biggest struggles is being able to manage this thing. Yeah. And so, you know, I came into it with how to do this thing. <laughs> yeah. And God helped me. You know, of course, I used to start just make it up fake cuss words eventually, you know, <laughs> to, to, to make up for the ones that were real, you know. And then on top of that, I just started listening to people that cussed. Yeah. And then eventually over some years, you know. Thank God, I don't. I can slam my hand in somewhere, and I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna do it. Praise Him. You say you start listening to people that cuss. Yeah, cause it, you know, I mean, I, I have a degree in in uh, in business, and when you start listening to people, you're like, okay, they could have chosen a different word. Yeah, yeah. And and then, uh, I didn't know what God was gonna do with my life. So you, you so you never knew that God was gonna call you to be a pastor. Absolutely not. At what age did He call you to be a pastor? Uh, when I was 27. And what were you doing at that time? Uh, I was in business, but then God, you know, I was in corporate. Yeah. So God spoke to me. I did some mission work in Jamaica. 
and God wanted me to go to that school. And it happens to be a subsidiary of the Christ for the Nations here in Dallas. Yeah. They had a school in Jamaica called Caribbean Christ for the Nations. So that's where we stayed when we did our missions work. And God spoke to me and told me, he, I want you to go to school here. And that was crazy for me. Especially in a whole nother country and you, and, and nother, you living everything. here. You, look, I had, to, I had to, you know, culture shock is real. Yeah. yeah. I remember, you know, you had to eat. The, the food there was not American food. Yeah. So the, I remember the first meal that I had, it was chicken foot soup. Chicken foot soup? Yeah. And the foot is in the soup. So I remember they brought me the bowl and the feet sitting up in the bowl like this. I was like, oh, no, I can't eat this. I can't eat this. No Those Jamaicans fought over that food, though. They was like, we'll eat it. <laughs> but, man, I had to get adjusted. And I, me and this other guy were the first mm. African-Americans that they allowed to even come to the school. Really? We were the first ones. See, I was I wanted to go to the Christ for the Nations here uh, in Dallas when I was 18 years old when God called me to, to be, uh, called me to ministry. And I wanted to go there so bad, but uh, I just couldn't get my pastor to sign off or write a recommendation wow. letter. Um, but that's what that's the trajectory I was on. And then I would go around and then I would go and preach at uh, revivals and whatnot. Okay. I would go to prisons and youth detention centers and I would minister and preach there. And um, then I started just seeing so much in the church that it made me take a step back and say, I didn't want to get into ministry. Wow. It was crazy. Like, cause I started moving around. I started moving fast into the ministry. And I just started seeing some, you know, behind the curtain. And it made me go, nah, I don't want to do this. And I and I just took a step back and just said, All right, well, let me figure out something else in life. I was so fortunate to not see that because of the denomination I was raised in. I was raised Presbyterian. Okay. So I didn't I didn't see none of that stuff. Yeah, I've seen a whole lot of stuff. And then and then now, you know, and that, that's when I was a babe in Christ. Now, as I've gotten more mature in Christ or even years after that, I start realizing it's just it's, it's just men. It's just it's men and women. We're all flawed human beings. And um, they're, quote unquote, hopefully doing the best they can in this office as as pastors or bishops and evangelists or whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, and then I stop judging God by the men or the women and say so God is still God. God is still a loving God. God is, is, is infallible and people are fallible. And just because God called me to ministry and I saw that doesn't mean that the ministry or the calling changed. Absolutely. And if people learn how to separate that, yes, then they'll be able to really see and hear yes. and understand the things of God. So many people put God inside the actions of men and you can't do that. Yeah. But the devil's smart too, because he uses the actions of men to keep people away from God. 100%. So it's a game that's played on the spiritual level, because if I was the devil, if I knew that your life was going to change, if you really tapped into the things of God, then I'm going to use whatever I can to keep you from that. 100%. Yeah. Which brings up this scripture. Hold on. I want to, I want to, uh, this was, uh, Psalms 141 and three says, set a guard over your mouth. O Lord, keep watch over the door of my lips. Let not my heart be drawn to what is evil to take part in wicked deeds with men who are evil doers. Let me not eat of their delicacies. What does that mean to you? You know, really you're asking God or you are inviting him to help you guard your mouth because yes. James even tells us that the tongue no man can tame. Yes. But see, we take that scripture and think, oh, well, 
I tried. <laughs> I had to cuss them out. They asked for it, right? We can't control our tongue, but that's not necessarily what that verse uh, wholeheartedly means in context. We can't control our tongues, but God can. Talk about it. So that's why we have to put his word in our heart. Yes. And then allow that word to germinate and begin to produce some fruit so that now I say what, what God wants me to say instead of saying what I want to say. Yes. So, and then he said, keep the door, the King James version of that verse says, and keep the door of my lips. Wow. How do you, how does God do that? Yes. You got to put something in so some, so the right thing can come out. Whatever's in is what's going to come out. Talk about it. Talk about it. Proverbs Tw 21 and 23 says whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble keep himself out of trouble <laughs> look if you want a married couple to start a fight all you have to do is say something crazy <laughs> and it's gonna happen it's it's on your mouth is either going to bless you or curse you yes it's up to you yes and and most people because here's the thing when we go to pray, now this yeah. is Pastor Evan now. Yeah. When we go to pray, we don't realize that if what we pray and then when we get done, what we say, if they're not in sync, we're not going to have what we prayed for. Talk about it. And here's the bad part. Most people say or talk more than they pray. Yes. Okay. I'm talking more than I prayed today. Yeah. Okay. So that means I have to be more careful about what I'm saying to make sure it match what I was praying because if what I'm saying doesn't match what I'm praying. What I'm praying is not going, I'm not going to get it. Talk about so it. So now people wonder why, why hasn't God answered my prayer? Because your heart and your mouth are contradicting themselves. Talk about it. And then your heart doesn't know what to, you know, what to do. It's <laughs> like, okay, over here, you say you this. ask God to, to, to give you a husband. Yeah. And then over here, you come out your prayer closet and say, like, all men, all men all are dogs. Me, exactly. All men are dogs. Right. But then you scratching because you got fleas. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. That's facts. That is good because it's crazy because you hear people say that they want a, a thing, but then they speak against it. Well, I'm broke. Right. I'm broke. You know, I, you know, God, I just want you to bless me with a new house. I need to get this, whatever. But I'm broke. I ain't going to never get this. I ain't going to never get that. My family ain't never owned a house. We ain't never did this, and we ain't wow. did this. And it's like, did you just realize those contradictory statements that just happened? You're asking God. You're praying for God to do something for you. But then out of your mouth, you start speaking things. And that's why faith is so important. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that uh, uh, unseen. And we got to speak those things that be not as though they were. Absolutely. And so that's us operating in our God power where God said, let there be light. Like you spoke about earlier. That's when we operate in that same thing of saying, let there be in our own lives. I want a house. I want this i want i want a husband i want a healthy marriage i want to live and not die if you're dealing with a terminal illness um and so that's that, that's extremely important do you know most people financially struggle because their mouth is off most people think that they have a job problem or they think that they have an income problem or most people think that they have a, a bill problem yeah but the problem is not really that. The problem starts with what's coming out of your mouth. It's because if death and life is in my tongue, 
the, that verse says, they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So yeah. whatever my whatever fruit is manifesting in my life, it's because my mouth is bringing that out. When we first started our church, this was in 2005, uh, the Lord challenged me to do it full time. Right? Now, I didn't start, I didn't start pastoring until I was 40. So here it is. We had $6,000 a week of what it was going to take to run our church. I had never had $6,000 worth of bills a week in my life. And now the Lord done put this on me, right? But I knew the principles of faith. Talk about it. And one of the principles of faith, Jesus said, whosoever shall say to the mountain, tell yeah. it to be removed. So I knew that I was going to have to open up my mouth. So I developed a confession that was pretty simple. I said, Father, thank you. Because our church is a giving church. Yes. We bought, one of our values is generosity. So I said, Father, thank you that we're a true family church. We're a giving church. And because we are, men give back to us. Good yes. measure pressed down, shaking together and running over. Shall men give into our bosom. And so, Lord, I thank you that a minimum of $6,000 comes in every single week. See, people can change their paycheck like that. So yes. watch this. Do you know Latarius? $6,000 start coming in every week. And then I got smart. I was like, well, I'm not going to wait for my bills to go up before my confession goes up. And it went from Talk about it, it went from six to eight to ten, and then I'll never forget. We were right at thirty-two thousand a week coming in, and the Lord gave me a number. First time it ever happened. He says, "I want you to start confessing fifty thousand. I said, "I'm not doing that." I said, "I'm not doing that." <laughs> so I didn't do it. <laughs> and so a couple of months went by, and uh, all of a sudden. One Sunday, $50,000 came in. Nobody gave nothing big. It was just a regular Sunday. And when they gave me the numbers, I was like, whoa. And the Lord said, I just let that happen to show you that the potential of it was always there. And it could have been coming had you started when I told you to. Teach. So you can change your paycheck today. Teach. By just declaring what you wanted to make. And sow seed in the process. Talk it about works. It. It works, and I know people want to make it a pastor thing. Giving ain't a pastor thing. It's not. It's a life thing. It's not. I was uh, one in this. Uh, you all in my. Yeah, you all on my toes right now. So what happened was, um, and people saw this process take place, December the 22nd through the 24th of 2021, I camped out on this, uh, this property, 20 acres of land. They had it as like an Airbnb, had a tent there, and you can camp out. And um, I had been driving by this property and said, I want it. And so uh, <laughs> I said, I want this land. I want it. And I said, God, do you want me to have this? So then when I end up finding out you can actually go camp out there, I said, oh, y'all don't put a believe on this? Land. Oh, I'm gonna yeah. walk around my that feet bad on boy. It. Oh, I put my feet on it. It's mine. So I started walking the land. I wrote a note, put it in the ground, and uh, I was recording the video and I was vlogging the whole experience. And I sat there and I was just looking at this land and I said, I want this. I said, God, I want this. And then God said, post a video. I said, I ain't gonna do that. I ain't gonna tell people I, I want this. Faith without works is dead, yeah. right? Yeah. He said, post a video. Tell people that you want it and tell them that you're gonna have it within a year. I said, no, I said, that's, <laughs> I, I said, hold on now. Like people going to see this and then they're going to be like, but I thought you said you was going to have it in a year. I said, I don't want to give people fuel to, you know, God, I'm protecting you now. I don't want right. it to look like right. you didn't come through. God said, I don't need no protection. I don't he need said, no help. Post it. Uh -huh. I said, okay. <laughs> and then I put the hashtag because Michael Ty was notorious for this. He said, it's only crazy until it happens. Right. And so I put that on there and I put crazy faith and I posted that video. And I said, I, and in the video, I said, I'm going to have this within a year.
12 days later. 12 days, not 12 months. 12 days later. This lady came on the podcast, Terry Idioma. She came on the podcast. She said, you know, I was watching this video and I was watching your, your episode, you know, about this land, Kingdom Royale. She thought I already had the, like it was built or whatever. She said, and um, God told me to help you get this. Wow. And I was like, what? So then I had talked to the owner and I was going to do an owner finance situation with the guy. And uh, I need $100,000 down. And I was like, man, I ain't got no hundred thousand, you know, like, but I had talked this man into this whole little thing. We had this whole conversation. He was like, all right, I said, I'll give you a hundred thousand dollars down. I'll give you $10,000 a month. The land was $1.7 million. And uh, he was like, okay, we can work this out. And I said, okay, deal. He said, all right, so when you want to sign? I said, I got to come up with a hundred thousand. He's like, what? He's like, we had this long conversation. So I was like, all right. So that was on uh, January the 3rd. So remember, I camped out on the on the twenty the sec the twenty second through the twenty fourth. She comes on a podcast. Uh, I think that was the seventh or something. She came on the podcast. We talk or whatever. At the end of it, she said, "Hey, you got the hundred thousand." I said, "Uh huh." She said, "Yeah, you said you need a hundred thousand. You got a hundred thousand. Then she said, "All right, let's go look at the land." We went to go look at the land, and while we were there, she said, um, "I'm just tempted just." Just buy the whole thing. Just pay cash for it. And I was like, oh, Lord, I, I ain't never owed nobody no, you know, 1.7 million. Like, hold on, like, this makes me a little nervous. You know what I'm saying? And then she was like, yeah, just, you know, just get it. He said, he said uh, you just go ahead and work the deal out. And then, and then I was like, okay. So then I went back to the guy. She said, it's going to be a cash offer. So I went back to the guy. I said, hey, cash offer, $1,350,000. And he was like, deal. And and literally, we did a three-week closing from that moment. So by February, beginning of February, I had possession of that land. Wow. And now I'm just working off paying her the $1.35 million. Wow. For what if you had not opened your mouth? To actually say that. And do what God told you to do. I would not be sitting up here right now with that with that property. And that's what... Wow. And when you said you can have, and when God told me to do it, I was so embarrassed. Like, I don't want to say that because if I say that, then it may look crazy if it don't happen. And God was like, I can do everything but fail. But see, the problem is when we speak the word, it ain't us speaking. Talk about it. It's God speaking. In fact, the Bible even says that the angels of God will hearken to the voice of his word. So when we speak the word, if we are lined up with what God says, the angels have to go and get dispatched to do what we have spoken. In fact, they don't know the difference between us saying it and God saying it. Mm. Ladarian thrusted suddenly into child protective services in 2015. My nephew, black, a boy. The likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship, slim to none. Armani, 16 years old, black, a boy with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted? Yep, you guessed it. Slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally. Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life, right? Wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew, Ladarian. 
Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care, should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury, state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. Though the young kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at-home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping and even caring for our animals on our farm and on-site stables. We just launched our startup capital campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse, I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm LaTerris R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys documenting my work with the homeless as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. Visit KingdomRoyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. Because it's not us saying it. It's just our lips moving. But we're saying what he said. And when you say what he said, you're going to have what he had. He said, let there be light. What happened? <laughs> light was, light be. So when I say it, it ain't me saying it. And then the angels, see, most of our angels, they're unemployed. Ooh. They're sitting on the side of the road. They don't have nothing to do because what we're saying does not line up with God's word. And because what we're saying doesn't line up with his word. Watch this now. There's no power for them to do what they need to do. And then we don't realize we invite demonic forces also as well to get dispatched by what we say. So people say like, you know what? When it rains, it pours. Yep. Keep your umbrella out. <laughs> Keep your umbrella out. What you should be saying, well, God, you know what? 
I'm not sure what happened, but I do know you're going to work this together for my good. See, that's not religion. That's now that's what I call being real. Yeah. Yeah. When that word becomes your life. Yes. Then it becomes real. And as you begin to say it, you know, there's an old guy, uh, uh, a mature guy in our church named Papa Jack. <laughs> Papa Jack. And, yeah. Papa Jack. And so, you know, I may be teaching that word and Papa Jack will say, say it, say it, say it. <laughs> well, listen, if the average person would say it, say, say it, it, say it, it eventually. See, get real. here's the thing about using your words. It's just saying it is not what makes it happen. Because people say, well, I, I said I'm going to be a millionaire and I'm still broke. <laughs> well, just listen to what you're saying. Let's start with that. But let's just say someone says that. Yeah. The problem is, it's not just what you say. It's believing it. That's why the scripture says, confess with your mouth and believe. first yeah. and then believe in your heart second. Yeah. Why is it in that order? Because I will eventually believe something that I consistently say. Talk about it. So most people... They, they, they don't have consistency in what they're saying. They're not saying it on a consistent basis. And here's why it's not happening. They think, oh, God's not listening to me. No, he's listening to you. He's waiting for your heart to believe what you say so he can do it. Well, how, do I, how does my heart believe it? I have to hear it. And how does faith come? It comes by hearing. hearing. So I have to hear it enough. This is why... The world knows this. This is why they play commercials repetitively. Yeah. Yeah. The same commercials. Yeah. The same commercial over and over and over again. Yeah. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. Yep. So if we say it enough, what's going to happen is faith is going to germinate. And then belief is going to be birthed. And the next thing that happens, you're going to have manifestation. Talk about so it. So my, my goal is just getting people to just say the right thing, whether you feel it or not. Because if you say it long enough, the the sperm from that word is going to hit the womb of your spirit. Talk about it. And watch this now. Dreams and manifestation are going to be birthed. And the next thing you know, you're going to have land like you have. Yep. Because, I listen, uh, when we, we're on 20 acres of property as well. Yeah. The first property that we bought was, uh, was 14 acres, and it was $1.4 million, right? So we found it, we got it, we got with the owner, we financed it. But then there was another 14 acres. Six of those acres was connected to the end of our 14. So the, the front of our 14 is highway frontage. The back of it uh, was somebody else's property, but it was only six acres, and then it was another eight that wasn't Oh, good. so it was, it, was, it, was, it was disconnected. Right, it was, kind of, right, it yeah. was connected, but it was split. Yeah. So, I wanted the six acres yeah. that, that would finish our property out. Right. And I went to my broker. He went to the family that owned it. They would not split it up. They said, we're not going to split up this 14. Either you buy the whole 14 or we're not going to give you the six. <laughs> and I mean, I tried and I tried. Yeah. And But then the Lord told me it was ours. Yeah. So I just started declaring that, right? So long story short, fast forward, my broker calls me and says, Pastor Connor, you know that six acres you wanted? I was like, yeah. He says, do you know that another church is buying that property? So now I'm thinking, what did, yeah, that, yeah. What did the pastor say that I didn't yeah, say? Yeah. I talk for a living. So I'm like, at first I'm like shocked and now I'm mad. Yeah. So I was like, do you have his number? So my broker gives me the pastor's number that's buying the land. 
I called this pastor up. And I said, hey, uh, Pastor so-and-so, my, my name is Pastor Connor, Word of Truth Family Church. He says, I know who you are. And I was thinking, this is not going to go good. <laughs> this is not going to be good. <laughs> and, and he was like, I know who you are. I was like, hey, you know, you all look like you were looking to buy six acres. We wanted that as an extension of our property, you know, uh, and we thought we'd be able to get it. He says, well, look like we're going to be neighbors. Oh, I was mad. Oh, I was mad. And you know what? I had to guard my mouth. I, I, I had to guard my heart, too. <laughs> Because out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Speak talk about it. And I just, and, and my, my, <laughs> the wrong attitude came up in me. I'll just outgrow this dude. Yeah, yeah. That's what I said. Yeah. So yeah. I said, Lord, I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, you told us. That was mine. That was mine. Yeah. I said, so I'm going to let you work that out. And what I did not do is say anything negative. Yeah. I, be, I continued to declare that was ours. Yeah. Fast forward it, two and a half years go by. I'll never forget because two I was in Florida. Two and a half years go by. I was in Florida with Joe Lostein, right? Yeah. I get a call from my broker. Pastor Connor, I was like, he said, yeah, are you still interested in those six acres? I was like, yeah, but they're not available. He says, well, the family who sold it at church, the church ended up being six or seven months behind on their note, and they want to know, are you interested in buying it? What do you think I said? I said, <laughs> yes, sir. And God... I, I prayed. They they wanted a, ooh, no, what did no, they no. want? I can't remember what they wanted for it. Uh, but I prayed for the, I was like, Lord, what do you want me to pay for this property? Mm -hmm. And he gave me a very specific number. It was $327,000. It was cutting off like 175000 <laughs> I mean, it was a good price of what they told yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. So I told my broker I was going to pray about it. God gave me that number. My broker called me and said, hey, did the Lord say anything to you? And I told him. He was like, but Pastor Connor, it's a good price where it is. I said, I know. I said, but the Lord told me this price. So we started negotiating, <laughs> and they did not want to do that. Yeah. So finally, I said, listen, y'all Christians, I'm a Christian. This deal ain't going to work unless we both obey God. I said, God told me $327,000. I can't go past that. So you know what they said? They said, okay, but if God told you that, you have to give us cash. Now, see, I was going to put 10% down and let them fund it, right? That's I was going to do what you was going to do. But when they told me that, if you're going to pay that price, you have to pay cash. So now I'm like, Lord, what you done got me in? Are you, what is the deal over here? I was like, Lord, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He said, he said, write the check. I had, we had the money. But I had never wrote a check that big in my life, man. I know, look, that check probably had scribbles on it because I was like, oh, no. So I told my CFO, look, we both going to put our name on this check. So if we go to jail, we both going. We both <laughs> right? So anyway, that's what ended up happening. And do you know that land appraised for almost a million dollars when we got ready to to build on the property <laughs> look at god boy so but the key was yeah keeping my mouth in sync yeah. with what god said and not go by how i felt yeah and what you saw and see many people watching the podcast they have dreams they have desires they have hopes they they have prayers yeah. the problem is what they dream and of and what they desire and what they hope for is inconsistent with what God's word says that's coming out of their mouth they 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 wake up they look at like the the the, the spies they yeah. look and see the they see the giants yeah they see the problems. I, there, there's not enough men out there in the world. There's not Christian men on yeah, top of that. Yeah. Or not, not enough good women, whatever the case is. Yeah. But what does the word say? He said, watch this now. He will supply all. All, watch this, of my need. Yeah. 
And it's not even according to my riches and glory. It's according to his. There it is. So I got to line my mouth up with that because that means if what I want or need Mm -hmm. does not exist, he has to make it happen. Talk about it. He has to make it. The scripture says when you give, he says God will cause all grace to abound towards you. He will make all grace. That means if it's not there, he'll make it. So if God's got to bring somebody across the water. Yep. To be a blessing into your life. Yeah. He will do whatever he has to do, but he can't do it if my mouth contradicts his word. Yes. And so most people say, well, I don't know God's will. Well, (laughs) his will is his word. Yep. So if I keep my mouth lined up with what his will or his word says, eventually I will see his will for my life. Yes. So I don't see, you know, and even people in the world, all these motivational speakers, yeah. they know they, that, that. they know the power of affirmation. They yeah. know the power of, I call it a confession. Yeah. They call it an affirmation. It's the same thing. Yeah. But we as believers, we won't even do what the world is doing. At all. To even get what the world is getting. There it is. So my thing is you can change your life by changing your words. Changing your words. Listen to this one, Proverbs 13.3. All this stuff is in Proverbs. It's good. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Wow. <laughs> so you mean to tell me I'm responsible for my own ruin? That's what. Read it again. It says, whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. He who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. I preserve my life by what I say. Yep. But I ruin my life. By opening your mouth up, just saying everything. By just saying what I need to say. And and you know why there's a 51% divorce rate in the church? Talk about it. Because of that right there. Yep. Do you find most people that come into your office or whatever, getting marriage counseling, you feel like it's a, it's a, a mouth situation? Well, it actually is a heart situation. Right. You know, uh, when I prayed about the podcast, I was telling you earlier that there was a story about a lady named Hannah. Hannah, for whatever reason, could not have babies. Right. So every year, her husband and his other wife would come to the temple. And so Hannah was praying this one time in the temple. And the Bible says that her lips were moving, but nothing was coming out because her heart was talking. And see, a lot of times, the reason why we don't have control over our mouth is because we've, got let, we've allowed our hearts to get off. Jesus said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So think about it this way. My heart is really what's controlling what I say. So now when I'm meeting with these couples and I'm listening to them, they let their heart get off somewhere. Mm. Well, all you got to do is go back to the beginning. How did Eve's heart get off? She listened to the words of the enemy. There it is. Just like God uses people to speak his word. The The enemy uses people. So the enemy came to Eve and says, oh, God said, you're going to be fine. If you eat that, nothing ain't going to happen to you. She believed his words. Once she believed them, she acted on them. And next thing you know, the rest is history. Well, these couples come in and they've allowed their hearts to be shifted. And once your heart shifts, your mouth is going to shift. So now the very thing that you call the blessing. Now you call it curse. And, 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 and watch this. 
I've learned that when God blesses you with something, never put your mouth on it in a negative way. The blessings of the Lord make you rich and add no sorrow. So that means the moment I view his blessing as a sorrow, then it ain't going to be a blessing to me no more. You know what? We'll, we'll, we'll be remiss if we didn't talk about, and this is what I respect you so much for, is uh, when we were talking, well, I was in the lobby of your church and some people who watched the podcast, mm -hmm. they were, you know, oh, I saw your podcast, Lateris, can I take a picture with you? And we took pictures or whatnot. And then they said, uh, you should, they said, uh, are you a member of a church? I said, well, I'm looking for a new church home. They said, well, you need to come here. I said, I said, why? They said, because you're single and, and, and our pastor's single. I said, does that mean I got to come to church because we're <laughs> right. both single or what whatever? What do with Yeah, it? what I got to do with it? I just think that y'all have some alignment. I just think it'd just be cool. I just I just think this or whatever. So when I, I began to talk to you about this, because um, this episode is called, well, this series is called, or well, this season is called These Dating Streets. Okay. And, um, and I began to talk to you, and you said that you were going through a divorce. And one of the most amazing things, like in the talking about it, and normally when I talk to somebody and they're going through a divorce, you'll hear them say all this negative stuff about right. their spouse. They just do it. They, like, I, like when I ask you, like, why are you going through a divorce? Most people are like, oh, my wife is this, 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 right. blah, 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 blah. And you wouldn't say nothing negative. And I kept trying to see, so what happened? So what happened? You was just like, let's just say, what did you say? Well, the reality of it is people change and then their choices change. That's all you would say? That's all I would say because that's the reality of the situation. When people change, their choices change. I thought so, that was profound. Well, at the end of the day, they're still my children's mother. Yes. So the internet is eternal, almost like heaven. Yep, yep, yep. So whatever's out there is going to be out there. So yes. one day my children are going to hear me say whatever I say. Yeah. Well, I don't want them to get a negative uh, perspective of mom or me yeah. because I can't control my mouth. Yes. So nobody, you know, listen, divorce is difficult. Yes, it is. I wouldn't wish it on nobody. Especially if it's something you didn't want to do. Right. But I will say this. I've, I have people in my life that help me. So I tell people, if you have to bleed because you're going to bleed going when to you bleed. go through a divorce. Yeah. The problem is most people bleed down. Yeah. You don't bleed down. You bleed up. So I'm a pastor, but I have a pastor. Yeah. They've been a pastors in my life for 16 years. So when the, when I felt frustrated, when I felt irritated, when all of that, I bled up. Yeah. And then of course I have some very mature friends that are horizontal as well. Yeah. But you don't bleed down, and yeah. then you don't bleed to friends who are just going to take your side and not just say, "Hey, but you know what? You you are off right here." Yeah. So I decided. Right up front, I am not going to say anything uh, that would bring demise or would view, be viewed as negative. Do you know one of the, the members came to my worship pastor? He just told me this three weeks ago. He says, Pastor, you know, I had a member that came to me and said, you know, why I stayed with Pastor Evan. He said, why? He says, because I didn't see him get up there and defend himself not one day. See, that's what I'm talking about. And, you know, more people grew stronger from watching me go through. Yes. Because, unfortunately, a lot of people don't feel like pastors go through difficult all, times. Right. When we do, too, you just don't see it all the yeah. time. Yeah. Now, me, it depends on the situation. I may bring you in on the journey on the front end. Yeah. I may bring you in on the journey on the middle. <laughs> but I'm going to definitely bring you in on the journey at the end. You're going to know about what, what has happened. So... 
But in this situation, my thing was, uh, you know, I'm not trying to, I'm not going to give my side of a story for two reasons. Number one, when you give someone a side of a story, you're forcing them to pick sides. Talk about That's it. number one. Number two, not only are you forcing them to pick sides, most people are, uh, are very immature, not realizing there are two sides to every story. Yeah. So if the person is not there while you're telling the story, yeah. then it can be an, uh, 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 an unrealistic or uh, it can be a version of the story that may not be completely true. Yes. So my thing is, I'm not going to give you a version of a story because I believe my consistency over time and my integrity will speak for me. So you know what? Say what you want to say. You never have to defend truth. Yes. Truth never has to be defended. Nope. Nope. Say what you're going to say, but at the end of the day, I'm going to let my life, I'm going to let the truth, I'm going to let consistency speak for me. And so I'm just not going to say it. So people in my church cannot say, I have been negative. You can go and look at every single series I've done. What I did do is use that opportunity to grow people in their emotional lives. Mm. You know what else I did? Because I knew that there were people going through while I was going through. Yeah. So most people, when they're going through divorce or just difficulty, they focus on how they feel. And that's a, that's a problem because when you focus on how you feel, you're going to be negative. Yeah, of course. But during this journey, I knew I had to be a healthy pastor. Yeah. And see, what people say, well, what does it mean to be healthy? Balanced. Yeah. When they say get a balanced diet, why? Because they're trying to have you to have a healthy body. Yes. So I knew that as I walked through this process, I needed to be healthy in doing yes. it. So I made sure that, of course, I believe in counseling. I believe all of that. But here's the thing about counseling and accountability. They can't make you do what you need to do, though. So can't. Okay. They can't make you do it. But what I did, I tried to make sure that as I was walking out church and myself through this process, I'm teaching them things that I had to walk through. And it's so easy now. I mean, I can just read you story after story after story where people was like, Pastor, I didn't think I was going to be able to make it. But just listening to you, watching you. Watching you go through it in real time. Look, one lady, one lady she said... To watch you, Pastor, go through, she was in a seven-month relationship, and it and it devastated her. Yeah. Just from a dating standpoint. And then they watch you go through a marriage, and you were married. How many years? 25. 25 years. At the time, yeah. 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 Like, and, and it's like. So she looked at 25, and <laughs> she looked at seven, she was like, I can make it. <laughs> Look, and then when I meet with people, I told our church this, you know, because yeah. I'm pretty transparent. With yeah. Her. I said, listen, okay, now. If you need marriage counseling, I still need you to come see me. Yeah. I said, now, if you married 25 years and under, I got you. If it's past 26, I'm going to send you to counseling. I got to send you out. I didn't make it that far. But it's all good, though. It's all good. And they just laugh about it. Because sometimes, you know, the, 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 some people would be like, well, if the pastor can't make it. Then nobody can't make then it. Then nobody can make it. But that's not true. That's not true. You can never judge a scenario by somebody else's story. No, you cannot. No, you don't know what they were going. You just don't know. That's why I say I don't believe in all that hashtag relationship goals and stuff. It's like you don't know what people are going through that you call them relationship goals. Just 
find the person that you're supposed to be with and walk that journey out with them. Absolutely. And uh and you pray and hope and fast and do everything you gotta do to make it work. Absolutely. But you can you can be the you can be the right person for the wrong person. You can be you can do everything right and the person just wake up one day and say, I don't wanna be married no more. You ain't nothing you can do about See, it. See, most people fail to realize you can marry the person God wanted you to marry. Yeah. But both people's wheels have to stay intact. Yes. So uh, there's some people probably watching us who's mad at God. Yeah. Because something didn't work out. But what they're not doing is they're not looking at the human factor. Yes. God cannot control what we do. He gave us free choice. If he, he gave us free choice. If he could control what we he do. He would make us accept them. He would have made Adam and Eve not eat the fruit. Yep. So he gives us the right to choose. And so sometimes people get mad at God for something they shouldn't because they are thinking, here's the thing. They're thinking that all knowledge or all knowing means all responsible. See, the weatherman can predict that it's going to rain on Thursday because he has instruments and equipment to measure the atmosphere and the, and the dew count, uh, count and all this yeah. kind of stuff. And let's say he says, hey, it's going to rain on Thursday. Well, we all take our umbrella and stuff because we believe him. Yeah. And it rains on Thursday. Yeah. The question is, is it the weatherman's fault? <laughs> no. He, just, he had foreknowledge. Yeah. But he's not responsible for it. Yep. Just because God is all-knowing doesn't mean he's responsible for what someone else did. Teach. And once I know that, then watch this. I can let go. First of all, I can keep my relationship with God intact. Talk about Because a lot of people go through the tailspin because they get mad at God and they get off. And the very person who really wants to help them, they're not in position to get his help because they're mad at him. Talk about it. And my thing is, no, don't get mad at the person that can help you. But then on the flip side, people go through the trauma and the issues and, 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 and not say, you know what, Lord, I could not control the other person. Yeah. You know, I had a member who uh, was meeting with me, was going through a divorce, and it was their spouse's choice. And she said to me, Pastor, how do you not be shamed? And I said, okay, we were sitting at a conference table. And I said, pretend that this conference table is, it has an elaborate domino set up on it. You know those dominoes? Mm -hmm. And you, you start hitting them all, all up, up and they start making. I said, yeah. So let's pretend it has all these dominoes on it. Beautiful design. I said, whose decision was it? Was it to get a divorce? She said, well, it was my husband's. I say, so that your husband made the decision. He's the one that decided to knock the first domino down. I said, but here you are trying to figure out why is it your fault or why are you feeling bad or why are you trying to uh, embrace shame because all the other dominoes fell. Yeah. I said, don't embrace the shame because you didn't knock down the first domino. There it is. And she was like, oh, I just never looked at it like that. Yeah. Why should I feel shame for somebody else's decision? Yeah. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. But see, most people, they are not in tune enough with God and the principles of God to be able to say, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let it go. So, uh, yeah, because the office that you operate in is supposed to be this quote unquote office where you're supposed to have control over everything as a pastor. So it's like it's this false we put this this false uh, expectation on pastors and forget that 
No, they're humans living a human experience, making relationship choices, and we all trying to figure this thing out. But it's like, well, if you can't make it work, like they say, then how how is my marriage gonna ever work? Well, and again, that's a that's a bad perception. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, we're all responsible for obeying God for where we are. Yeah. And and again, if you don't know the back end of the story. Then you don't. It's it's really unfair to even, I tell people, you won't understand my decisions because you don't have the information I'm, I have. There it is. So a lot of times people want to judge decisions that you made or whatever you did, but they don't have the information that you had yes. to do what you needed to do. Yes. You know, when we built the building that we built, it's a nine, almost a $10 million building. We were a million dollars short before we started. Now, we didn't have all the money. No, yeah. I'm saying God told me, I was sitting at a, at, a, at a meeting with the construction workers, and the budget was a million dollars over what we had budgeted. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm going to have to figure out. I'm going to shrink this building. I got to tell you, I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. And while I'm sitting there. No chairs, no concrete uh, yep, in the parking yep, lot. There We're going to be sitting on dirt. There dirt. it is. <laughs> and the Lord said, so I started thinking I need to shrink the building. But see, the size of your first building determines the size of the ministry. And so I knew I couldn't go below. So and then the Lord just clearly spoke to me. He says, don't mess with my building. Keep going. And I don't know where that extra million came from. <laughs> but it came. But it came. We in that building today. And you saw it. It's, 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 it's very untraditional. Well, yeah. I'm an untraditional person, yeah. though. Yeah, I love it. Because I didn't it. grow up thinking I would do this. So yeah. my whole style and. Yeah, I love it. It's perfect. It was interesting because as I was talking about the whole, you know, believing God for the land at 1.35 million in the campaign video, I said I was going to raise 2.8 million. And um, I was shooting this project for this client and this lady, uh, her name is Kathleen uh, Laval. She's the president of Dallas Casa. And I was videotaping her or whatever, and I showed her my promo video. She's like, this video is amazing. And she said, but what you going to do with $2.8 million? I said, well, I'm going to build the mansion for the boys, and I'm going to do this. She said, she said that $2.8 million ain't going to do nothing but hire somebody to raise some money for you. I said, what? She said, that you? She said, what? She said, no, the house you got to build is going to cost way more than that. And I was like, Oh Lord! Now, now I'm getting nervous because I'm wow. saying I'm over here believing God for 2.8, and now she's saying it's not. She said you're gonna need about 10 million. I said, Oh no! I said, Oh Lord! Okay, this is I, oh Lord. God said, See, I couldn't tell you 10 million at the beginning because right, you wouldn't have got started. Out, right. Yeah, you stepped out. Right. He said you told yourself that you never asked me how much it was gonna cost, and then you got the land, and it's the same God that got you this far. Why you think I'm gonna give up now? And mm -hmm. I was just like, That's a lot of money, God. He was like, I'm a big God. That's little. That is so little to it me. Is. And you know what? My pastor always says, God will give you more along the way than what you had when you started. Talk about Most it. people say, you know, it says the steps of a good man are ordered, ordered. by the Lord. Yeah. We want to take a step <laughs> and be ordered. He said, no. He said it like Martin. Martin said, get the stepping. Get the no, stepping. You got to take more than one step. And a lot of times we take one step and we freeze. Or <laughs> yeah. we say, well, I'm not going to move until God. God but see. You just keep moving. God. The way it works, you move first, then God moves. Yep. There is no supernatural before no. there is some natural. Nope. He said that when I draw close to him, then He'll he draws close, close to me. me. 
I may take two steps. He may take 25. Yep. <laughs> exactly. But I'll never see the 25 steps. If you don't take the one. Exactly. And that's what God was saying. So then for each level that God gives me, I I keep moving on that level. Like this past uh, Friday, I went and got a tractor. You know what I'm saying? I saw the video on Man, that. Man, thank you. I went and got the tractor. I was like, we finna take care of the land. So I got to make sure I mow it. So here it is. So God, here it is. And so each little thing. And then Kubota saw the video and they were like, can we put it on our page? Because wow. in the video, I said, Kubota, I want y'all to, <laughs> I want y'all to sponsor this thing. Right. I want y'all to come send some UTV, do something. I just keep putting it out there. And now I'm not even afraid to just say it. Speak those well, things that be not as that's though they the were. Thing, your words. Because when I first met you, you told me, Pastor, I'm going to buy a tractor. <laughs> I was like, what you going to do with a tractor? Now you don't tell me. Why I was like, just, just hire somebody to cut that's the grass. <laughs> that's what I said, right? Yeah. You, you was said, like, huh? No, no, no. I'm going to get a tractor, you know. I'm going to get a tractor. I'm going to mow it. You're like, you ain't got time to mow it. He said, well, unless you just get up on Saturday and that's a part of your, your therapy to just right. ride around or whatever. And I said, yeah, that's exactly what it is because I want to know that land better than anybody else know that land. And the beautiful thing about it is what you said to me is what you see in today. Yeah. Yeah. So watch this now. This is where now we have to take a gut check. Maybe what I'm seeing today is because of what I said yesterday. Talk about it. I want to blame everybody and everything, but the reality of it is what I say has made me see what I see. I'm in control of my life. So that means now I have to really guard my mouth. So, you know, when I was growing up, I had a teacher. She would say, if you don't have nothing good to say, don't, don't say, say nothing, nothing at, at all. all. But see, there's a problem with that. Because we would not see the earth as it is today had not God opened his mouth and said something. <laughs> but, but she said good. Don't say nothing. He said good. Yeah. So my thing is, no, don't just not say nothing. <laughs> because nothing from nothing leaves nothing. <laughs> don't just say nothing. Open your mouth. And speak faith-filled words yes. so that you can have what you say. But don't just not say nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's good that you can get and cuss them out. Why don't you bless? It said bless those that curse you. There it is. Pray for those who despitefully you. Yeah. So open your mouth and say some good things. And I'm going to tell you something. Talk about I've watched it. God. Here it is years ago. We needed $6,000 a week. The same confession I was using to bring in six. Every staff meeting, we open up our staff meeting with a confession that now our confession is a minimum of 100. There it is. And you know what? People say, well, you, let me tell you something. We, uh, I, I'm not even sure how much thousands of dollars we spent just for the Starbucks gift cards. Yeah, yeah. People say, well, why would you do that? Smart. It's, it's just it's, generosity. And it's smart. It's, 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 it's sowing and reaping. We don't understand what sowing and reaping is. Like, right. just think about it. <laughs> I came to your church because of the Starbucks gift card. Wow. Like, like, just think about it. Like, that was the whole point. The Starbucks gift card is why. They said, oh, we got this today. I was shooting a video for uh, Sam, who was uh, um, who just became a superintendent, mm -hmm. and I was shooting. I was doing some headshots for him, and they and then and then Sharice was like, "Hey, we got this today at church. I'm going to invite you to church." And I was like, and I was like, "Man, I don't like to be invited to people to church. You don't know what you're getting. You know, well, this is my know. inner monologue. Right. I was like, hey, and I ain't gonna say I'm coming and not come." 
But and then she said, "You don't have to, you know, you ain't got to commit to what day yet." And I was just like, "Well, if I'm coming, I'm coming this come, this this Sunday because I know if it get out of sight, out of mind." So I was like, "I'm just coming this Sunday." And then I was like, like I said, three days before, I was like, "This is Easter Sunday." Easter I'm talking about Sunday. going. I said, "Oh Lord!" I said, "Let me get my boy's haircut." So I called my barber. I was like, "I need my boy's haircut. I need to get this." I, and I, and then I started scrambling. And God was like, "It's gonna be okay." And then I was like, "It's gonna be too busy." Once I get there, it's gonna be hard to park. So I said, and "God said, just get there early." So wow. I just got there like forty minutes early, and I just wow. sat there in the parking lot, you know. And then I was sitting there, and I was like. It feels good. You know, this is the first time I ever been inside of a church during a, a service since the pandemic. I mean, look, I'm telling you, I'm meeting people two and a half, three years later that I've never met before because they're just now coming back to church. Yeah. And I get that. Yeah. I, you know, thank God for streaming. Yeah. Which is something I was not yeah, no, for. You, you, you was adverse to it. You was like, I ain't going to do that. You need to come to church. Right. <laughs> and now we have people that view... And have members, you know, we had people in London yeah. who got baptized in London doing our baptismal service. Wow. So it's 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 different. So you're not the only one. There were people that I hadn't seen in a couple of years that was at church on Easter Sunday. But I'm talking about the power of the gift card, the power of back in the day, they used to give those little tracks. When I grew up, they'd give you a little track and invite right. you to church or whatnot. But as far as ministry is concerned, it's like it's just planting a seed and God will always uh, water that seed. And so you plant the seed, come, come, I meet you. And I'm like, man, I like this dude. This dude is cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and it's just, it's just it's just about relationship. Because so, so what made you like? Asked me to come on the show because I know that's because, not because the lady was talking about uh, the synergy that you and I have about being uh, single okay. men. Okay, and, and I was like, wow, this is interesting. It's a singles pastor. It's, it's a pastor that's single, and I was like, that's that's something that's going to be interesting for him to navigate. Uh, and you and know, our, our church has been amazing. I had great support from them. Our church has grown. You know, Sunday, uh, one of my staff. Uh, I have a multicultural staff, yeah. which is unusual for an African-American pastor. Yeah. Uh, and so I have Hispanics, I have whites, I have blacks. So one of my Anglo pastors came to me in, uh, Sunday uh, and said, Pastor, did you see all, uh, you know, he talks like he's not white. Yeah. I'm like, did you know you white? He, <laughs> he comes to me, he's like, Pastor, did you see all the white people? in service on, on, on the second service Sunday. And I really have a multicultural church, which is, which is different because yeah. most, you know, here's the thing. I'm on both sides of the church world. I have just as many white pastor friends yeah. as I do having black pastor friends. And what's interesting is God's used me to as a bridge for both of them to see the different sides of both worlds. And so it's been interesting. But anyway, you know, uh, I, as a as a, yeah. I would say a fresh single pastor. Yeah. It's been different to navigate. Uh, but, you know, if you have the right people in your life, you'll be fine. They'll, 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 they'll have you covered. Absolutely. Here it is. First Peter 310. For whosoever... For whoever desires to love life and see good days, wow. let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. He says, if you want to see good, if you want to see a good day. Yeah. He says, reframe your tongue from evil, the King James says. Yeah. And that your lips speak no deceit. Yeah. So 
You mean to tell me that my mouth determines what kind of day I have? Yeah, yeah. I watched that. I, I watched that play out in my son. Um, I talk about him a lot on the podcast. That's my heart. But um, he 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 just speaks such negative stuff about himself. And I said, I am going to challenge you, and I'm gonna always speak positive over your life, and I'm gonna fight what you say about yourself. And I said, until you start believing what I say, because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. He's like, why do you think I'm gonna be? Saying? Why do you think I'm gonna be this? Why do you think I'm gonna be that? And I'm like, listen, son. God spoke to me, and I'm going to keep saying it to you until you believe it. Well, you know, my first most impactful lesson on guarding your mouth was when I was in college. I just got saved, and I was in a class called, uh, uh, what was it? It was, um, man, it was one of these difficult class with, with, it wasn't math, but it was one of those, I can't remember. Yeah, what was it, physics Uh, or something? No, uh, what was it? Uh, it was quantita- uh, uh, something in quantitative analysis. Yeah. It was some difficult class. And I'll never forget, we're in the class, and there's a friend of mine named Marla that was sitting next to me. The professor was going over the, the, the whole syllabus, and he finishes the syllabus, and Marla says, I'm going to flunk this class. <laughs> we ain't had one class yet. He just went over the syllabus. And she said out loud, I am going to flunk this class. Do you know? She had what she said. She flunked that class. But here's why I knew her words snared her. The Bible says we are snared by the words of our mouth. Yeah. Because she took that class again and passed it. So if she passed it the second time. (laughs) She could have passed the first time. She could have passed it the first time. But you know what? She was snared by the words of her mouth. There it was. Her very words caused her to flunk. You know, some people, their very words are, is what's keeping them back from starting their business. Oh. Where am I going to get the money? Yeah. I can't see this. I can't see that. Their words are keeping, think about it like this. As I speak God's word, he's slowly drawing to me the resources and the people that I need to bring to pass what he's put in my heart. Talk about it. But if I am not saying things that have faith in them, just like when I speak faith, those people, those resources are drawing nigh to me. Yes. When I say the opposite, those resources and those people Draw are moving away from yep. me. Look, at the end of the day, you're going to have what you say. You're going to eat what your mouth is producing. Yep, good or bad. And and I want my life to, look, I want my life to count. Yeah. And see, most people, especially when they're caught up with how they feel. Yeah. I tell people, let patience be your friend. Yes. Or time's going to be your enemy. Mm. Listen, listen, this is a perfect, this is a perfect scripture. This is the last scripture. James 1 and 19. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow, slow to, to get, angry. Uh, get angry. Yep. Quick to listen. Yep. We got two ears. But slow to speak. Slow to speak and then slow to get angry. Yep. That means now I have to watch what I say by listening first. I believe most people never hear the voice of God because what they're saying keeps him from talking to them. Mm-hmm. I never hear God. I, 
I don't want to hear God's voice. Well, that's probably why. Why don't you just say, you know, God talks to me? Because Jesus said, my sheep well, hear, hear my, my voice. voice. Yeah. So that means I have the capability of hearing. But I have to now get in position. So most people are, you know, let's say uh, you got AM and FM. Let's say AM are for people that ain't saved. So then they get saved. They get on FM. But have you ever listened, you're on a station, but you hear two two songs? Yeah, or yeah. You, you hear Spanish music on yeah, one, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then you hear some some news, because yeah. you're not quite on, on the, the frequency. Yeah. Right, 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 right. And see, some people, they're on two frequencies, yeah. but they don't know it because their mouth and their hearts are not lined up with what they need to say for their life. And so parents, most Parents say things that are so detrimental to their, their kids. Their kids grow up with these negative mindsets because the parent, it started yeah. with them. Yes. So, you know, overall, I would just want to encourage all the listeners, sit down and reevaluate your, your words. Yeah. Which means you're going to have to reevaluate your thoughts. Yep. Because you pretty much say what you think. Yep. Which means now you're going to have to monitor your heart. Yep. And I got to keep that thing clean because if, if, if I let my heart get messed up, then my mouth, whatever I say, is that's going to come out. Yeah. So I, w- I was just encouraging him to sit down and, and just reevaluate. And if my life is not where it wa- I want it to be, yeah. I need to check my words. I need to check what I'm saying. If my children are off. Yep. And they're still under my care. Yeah. What am am I speaking God's word over them? Am I speaking positive to yeah. them? Am I saying what they can do and not yeah. what they can't do? Am I speaking to them what I believe God has for their life? Yeah. If I'm not, man, just make that change because it's that change. It's that one degree change. What if the words of my mouth can shift my life? My new job is waiting on what I say. There it is. The funding for this this thing that I want to do yeah. is waiting on what I say. My financial status in life is based on what I've been saying. Yeah. Whew, man, when I tell you I've enjoyed talking to you, man, this has been amazing. Um might as well say it. What, what, what's, what's, what's taking place in September? You said September you have an interesting uh, month. What, what, what do you normally do with your services on Sunday? Uh, you know, September Sundays? is a real big month for our church. Years ago, I used to try to do these marriage conferences and singles conferences, and the married people wouldn't come. We couldn't find a babysitter. Yeah. And then the single people wouldn't come because well, I can't find a babysitter. Yeah. You know. So anyway, I've it would just frustrate me. The people that needed to be there didn't come. Yeah. So God gave me an idea one day. He says, you know what? Split your church up for a whole month. And so in September, we split our church up. The singles, I mean, the married people are at nine, single people are at 11. Both of the messages are different. The nine o'clock is basic. So basically I'm doing counseling over the pulpit for married people and for singles. And it is the most highest attended month in our whole year because singles are not used to getting consistent content yeah uh when it comes to being a single yeah and then married people of course they won't go to counseling you can't get brother man to come to counseling yeah. he'll come to church yeah so you know what i do 
I hit them right there. There it is. Yeah. So we're, we're going to do that in September together. So what we're going to do, and I'm letting y'all, y'all going to hear it first. In September, we're going to pick out a, a Sunday, and we're going to do a live Dear Future Wifey podcast taping during the Sunday service. On the morning service, it's going to be catered to married people. We're going to have two married couples uh, on the podcast. It's going to be co-hosted by my buddy, Pastor Edmund Connor, and we're going to do this thing for the 9 o'clock, and then 11 o'clock, we're going to have uh, a panel. We have four single people, two men, two women, and uh, we're going to talk. And we're going to talk about some relative and relatable uh, subject matter, just like we do every week on the Dear Future Wifey podcast. And see, that's what I like about you. I like that the fact that you're so unconventional. And in the conversation we're talking, he was like, I want you to come speak at the church. And I was like, well, let's do a podcast recording. Right. Well, yeah, you, you wanted me to come and preach or something? What did you want me well, to do? Look, you a preacher, right? <laughs> <laughs> you a preacher, right? Yeah, always been, always look, been. I believe you, the, the bait that you need to use to catch fish yes. has to change with time. Yes. Okay, listen, though, the, 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 the techniques change, but the gospel in itself doesn't. It remains the same. So, we may have to do some things different. Yeah. But, and it's not a bait and switch. No. It's just saying, you know what? Uh, if streaming is what needs to happen. And the streaming you know, Because a lot of churches shut down during COVID. They did because they didn't know how and to, they know how to shift. They didn't know how to shift. And some of them refused to shift. Yeah. Yeah. And now there is no shift. <laughs> it's gone, man. It's gone. But thank God that we were, we had all the equipment. Yeah. You said you, need. Need you said you just needed the software? $50 software. That's all we needed to start streaming. But at first, old Pastor Connor was like, I ain't finna go do no uh, streaming. I, ain't no, finna do I just nothing. had a bad attitude about it. <laughs> I mean, you know, we have houses right at, right at, you can see houses from our church. And I was like, you're not going to sit at your house <laughs> and, watch and open up your computer and see the church in the backyard. I'm like, no, you're not going to do that. But COVID forced us to. It was the best thing that ever happened to he us. Said, you're not going to do that. And now what, what, what streaming allows you to do is not just pastor your community, but pastor the world. Pastor the world. And yeah. it is happening just like that. It's, yeah. it's, now we have people viewing from different countries. Yes. Which now is even more exciting. And, and again, you know, my thing was people need to be plugged into a local place. But, yes. but God told me, he said, Evan, there's some people that are going to hear your voice and they're going to connect to you. And they weren't connected to nothing at all, at all. Wasn't so planning better, on it. Right. So it's better for them to be connected to you and what I called you to do yeah. than to be connected to nothing. Yeah. And so that's been my attitude. And that's real. And it's been happening. And that's what's so dope about it. So, Pastor, listen, when I say I'm so excited about what we're going to do in September, so thank you so much for thank having a having willing me. heart. Thank you for opening up your doors to be able to say, you know what, come on over here and do this here and finding value in what, what I'm doing here on this platform. And understanding, too, um, an unconventional way to touch the hearts and the minds of the people in your congregation. And so uh, when we find that date, all y'all going to be coming and flying into Dallas to come to the live podcast recording. So that's going to be really dope. So I'm going to try to get that date locked in by next week so that I can post it so y'all can set up y'all travel plans or whatnot. But we're going to have fun. Hey, I'm going to have fun. We're going to go for it. Oh. And uh, we're going to minister to people and change some lives. Oh, it's going to be dope. So again, y'all give it up to my homie, Pastor Evan Connor, y'all. Appreciate y'all. Thanks to Terrence. Thank you, brother. So this episode was very, very personal for me because it's one of the things that I've always been wanting to work on and have been working on of guarding my mouth.
<sighs> when I was doing theater and traveling across the country with national touring plays, uh, as a director, we were notorious for saying how we feel. You know, if a scene isn't going right, you know, you'll storm backstage and be like, what in the world are you doing? You're, you're messing up my show and all that. Um, but I said, God, I want my words to edify people and not to destroy them. And so after having different conversations with people throughout the years, they'd be like, man, you just mean, you just, you don't care how you say something. And I was like, no, I care how I say it, you know, um, but with me, you're going to always know how I feel because I'm not going to beat around the bush. Um, and I prided myself in being blunt, but in actuality, I was being very destructive with my words. I pulled up this article because I want to give you context with common negative words and expression. It says it's easy to think that negative words reflect a negative mindset, but that's not always the case. While negative words such as bad, horrible, ugly, hate, and stupid are often intended to hurt someone's feelings, other negative language may just be the result of choosing the wrong pronoun, verb, or adverb. Grammatically negative words include negative pro, uh, pronouns such as no one, nobody, none, nothing, neither, nowhere. Uh, negative verbs are aren't, can't, couldn't, doesn't, don't, isn't, shouldn't, wasn't, weren't, won't, wouldn't. Negative adverbs are words such as barely, hardly, no, not, never, scarcely. It says, strictly speaking, these words are only negative because they mean the opposite of their affirmative forms. They're not insulting or degrading by themselves. It's only when you put them into conversation or common expressions that they become hurtful. So let's unpack this real quick. Um, and this is my challenge. And I'm going to take this lesson and these instructions and help me have better communication when trying to voice my opinion or feelings towards something that... Uh, you know, that I feel and making sure that I'm very positive about it. So a negative expression such as you never help around the house. What the listener hears is you're lazy. And I hear that a lot with talking to my son. I'd be like, you never do such, 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 such. Oh, so I'm lazy. I didn't say you're lazy. I said, you never do this. But the affirmative replacement is I need more help around the house. You hear that? You can still get what you need, hopefully from someone that's, uh, emotionally intelligent enough to hear and not be always on the defense. But if you say you never help around the house, sounds a little negative versus I need more help around the house. Another one, neither of those options look good to me. What the listener hears is I hate your choices. When the affirmative replacement is I like to see more options, please. Sound a lot different, doesn't it? couple more examples. You can't do this. The listener hears you're bad at this. When you could say, let me help you do this. I wouldn't do that if I were you. The listener hears, I make better choices than you do. Could rephrase that to say, maybe you should rethink that decision. The Bible says the tongue is sharper than any two-edged sword. So that means we can cut people with our tongues. And I was really good at cutting. If you said something that I didn't like or you, I felt disrespected in a way and, 
Oh, I'm going I'm to cut you, and I'm going to cut you good. Here's my favorite part of the podcast where I speak to my future wifey. Dear future wifey, my words will edify you. I will be mindful not to knowingly or unknowingly speak or even write a unit of language consistent of one or more spoken sounds that functions as a principal carrier of meaning with ill intent words. That's the definition of words. Words are a unit of language consistent of one or more spoken sounds that functions as a principal carrier of meaning. In all transparency, I've been terrible in the past with saying reckless words when I feel disrespected, disregarded, or hurt. Words are so important to me. I'm a writer. I precisely string words together for scripts or letters to convey emotions. But in anger, I meticulously choose words to cut my opponent like a jinsu knife. Oftentimes, leaving them bleeding months or even years beyond the onslaught. Thank God my previous wife never experienced this negative attribute of mine. We always spoke respectful to one another. However, we lack the next level, which is edification. So it's my goal that you and I will edify each other in ways that only bring out the best in each other. I will always respect you, your future hubby. Thank you for listening to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit, live intentionally and transparently and don't stop loving make sure to subscribe to our dear future wifey youtube channel we're available on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and stitcher we welcome your support simply share our podcast with your friends and family everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.